Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. Hello, me. We are going through the book of Hebrews now. We have reached the last chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. And I believe it has been a good journey going through the book of Hebrews because it started from telling us who Jesus Christ is, what he has done for us, why he is the high priest of our profession, and after the other Melchizedek, telling us about the faith of the heroes. It compared the covenant, the covenants of, of the of the Old Testament with the New Testament and talked about the high priest. Christ now the high priest that we are now following the high priest after the order of Mexilek. And we are priests under him. We are also under the order of, after the order of Mexilek. And they talk about the heroes of faith. They all have a good report, but they did not receive the promise. God has prepared some better things for us that without us, they should not be made perfect. perfect. We are being made perfected. We are born again, but we have to be perfected. Put the ministries in the body of Christ, we all come to that perfection. And that is what say we are to be perfect. And so that is what he has been telling us in chapter 12. We need to give exhortation how we should work, how we should stand firm and not deny, don't refuse him that speaketh from heaven. Because we have this cloud of witnesses that are sharing us up. They have gone to their reward. They are, they are looking down from their above. They can see us occasionally when God will allow them to see us. They are sharing us up to keep fighting the battle. Against the against sin, against the against the devil, against the world, until we arrive, and we are the cloud of witness that are sharing us the sins. Now we are now in chapter thirteen. We are going to wrap up this letter to the Hebrews, and its continuation of his of his exhortation. Chapter thirteen of Hebrews, verse one: Let brotherly love continue. Now you know he's telling, talking to every one of us. We have to come to walk in love because that is the last the. the the new covenant is a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Brotherly love. Verse 2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That's another exhortation that we should be open minded to entertain even strangers. Because some have entertained angels unawares. Even in the Old Testament, we have seen angels manifest in the form of man and they them and entertain them and they finally get blessed. Verse 3 says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and then we suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Like we heard about our brethren being persecuted in China, you have to pray for them. You have to send donations to help some people, to help them by two ministries that are helping the, the persecuted one. Do it. He said, We are we are like in bonds with them also, so that we are, we are, we are feeling their pain. That's what it means, as, as bound with them. Remember that whether they have been persecuted in the north and Nigeria that are believers, they are sure being born down. And so forth. We are to 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 suffer bonds to say as bound with them means I remember them in prayer as if we are also bound with them, praying for them and helping whatever we can help. Verse 4 says marriage is honorable now is giving so this exception is for everything. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But all mongers and adulterers, God will judge. Remember that we as are believers, you are married. Stay with your spouse, and he said the bed is on the fried. But those who are warmongers are the people that are doing ungodly sins, fornication, or trying every every type of ungodly behaviors, adulterers. He said God is going to judge them. Warmongers, homosexuals, God is going to judge them because they are perverting what God has made for husband and wife to use. They are using for evil things. God will judge them. Verse five. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Your conversation is not just what you say, it's your conduct. 
let it be without covetousness. What's covetousness? Greediness, wanting what the other person has is covetousness. Whether you can afford it or not, if you can afford it, just go buy yourself. But if your eyes, if that, if that greed, that desire, evil desire is making you almost wish evil for that, you wish and you want to get that out. But that can become covetousness. Just pray that God will give you a, a better job or a better salary so that you can get something better too. But we rejoice with them that are rejoicing. That's where covetousness can turn into envy. Also, that becomes evil. So that it be without covetousness. Be content. That's why it says, be content with such things as ye have. That's verse 2, verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 13. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Contentment is very essential. I mean, sometimes that's what is lacking some people that you turn them to greed with covetousness. If you are not content, that you you somebody, somebody get married, you are not content with your spouse. Now you wish you have married that other person. That's 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 that becoming covetousness. We are coveting that other person's spouse. Or you think what you got is not it's not good enough. You wish you get this other one. It's about that when you divide meat for little kids, and you say yes, yes, yes and that little baby is looking at the one that is giving to this other baby, and wanting that one because it looks big. But perhaps, perhaps there's a bone inside that you may not even realize. I've been a story like that. There may be a bone that makes that one look big. But the mother gave that bone one to the bigger bone that you can undo the bone and give the little one to this baby. And that little baby is looking at the big one. You wanted that big one. If they exchange, you will regret that you got the bone because you couldn't undo the bone. See, that sometimes is what is in life. Don't be envious or covetous of the other person's thing. See, be content with such things as ye have. And if you need more, pray that God will get you more. Because he said that, let your request be made known unto God. Because I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Number six. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's the book of Psalm 27. Verse 7 says, remember them which have the rule over you. Now he's going to talk about how we should be submissive to the Lord of the land and so on and so forth. Remember then which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. Now he's talking about the believers to remember that those who are teaching you the word of God and showing you the example of faith follow their faith. Considering the end of their conversation. Now if somebody is teaching you the word of God whether you're a pastor or a preacher and is making some inside making you making some sense to you and you say remember what you're saying follow that faith example but considering the end of their conversation where are they leading you to that's very what's the end of their conversation where are they leading you to because god says something about when he sent prophets because there are false prophets in the days of old and they are false present right now what is their motive where are they leading you to god said to the other in the book of Ezekiel or Jeremiah said if a if a prophet chose signs and wonders, so wash him. If he take after he showed the sign, he tell you to move closer to God. He said, "That's my prophet. He's trying to draw you closer to God." But if he's trying to direct you to go worship idols, other gods, he said, "Then that's a false prophet. That's how you move. Not because he prophesy or he shows some signs and wonder. Signs and wonder does not prove a prophet. 
he prophesied doesn't prove a prophet, but or even it's come to pass doesn't prove his prophecy. But where is he leading you to? Is he leading you to worship that prophet? Then you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a false one. It's leading you to follow an idol idols or follow worship something other than God. It's a, it's, a, it's a false one. But if he's looking, you move closer to God, then that's my servant. That's why I say every servant of God should be pointing to Jesus, leading people to Jesus, pointing people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a true servant of God. But he's just making money for themselves and pointing people to themselves and to their church. So that's that's danger. Danger. That's why he's saying. Let's say, consider the end of their conversation. Verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's why we know he changed it now. So what he said, what he did then, he's able to do now. Verse 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied there. Now, what's the reason why I was talking about meat? Because in the days of the apostles, they have issue debating on whether they should eat this meat offered to idols, or this meat shouldn't be had offered to idols, shouldn't be eaten. And the Jews were pressing that some meat shouldn't be eaten and some meat should not be allowed. So those are all. He said that that those are that's what he was referring to. That those are strange doctrines that is not as important. As important. It's a good thing that the heart be established with grace of God, not with meats. That I must not eat this, you must not eat that, that become like a doctrine in some, in some, in some sect, in some section. He's saying that's not what's going to establish us, it is the grace of God. Those, are the, those who, are, who, are, who are talking about meats, he said, that's not profited them. That's occupied them. Verse 10. Now it's changing the saying of something, but all of these are exhaustion. To wrap up all the letter you have been writing. We have an altar we are of they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffer without the gate. So what's he talking about here? He's comparing what the Lord Christ did on the cross that that's why he was taken out of the city of Jerusalem to crucify him outside the gate of Jerusalem. That was what he's talking about here. He says it's a similarity that when the priests in the days of Moses when they started the tabernacle, they take some animals calling for sin offering and take it outside the tabernacle. He said the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for for sin are born without the camp. So they take the blood, the, the animal, they take the animal to the outside the camp of Israel and burn it up for sin offering. But they took the blood of it and brought it to the tabernacle and put it upon the tabernacle. So that's why he's using it as a comparison that just like those, those animals that were being sacrificed for sin offering were burnt outside the camp, that's why the logic also was taken outside the city and crucified for us. Now he's saying, let us go forth therefore unto him without outside the city, outside the camp. Bearing his reproach, that's where what he was, why he's comparing this to that Christ suffered outside the city of Jesus, outside the camp, just like that sacrifice was burnt outside the camp for sin of him. Now we our sins have been forgiven. We are now to come to Christ outside the camp, go outside the camp, 
and live for him. That's what we're talking about. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. What do you mean by bearing his reproach? We are going to bear his reproach because they are going to ridicule us. Who that are believing? The world will ridicule us. Just think of that. So that's his reproach. They reproached him to be this, to be that, to be false, to be false, uh, to be blasphemer. That's why they crucify him. They say he was blasphemy. He's behind the reproach. And we are going to say, yeah, we believe in him. And they will stone us too or persecute us too. We are saying we believe in him. We are bearing his reproach. That's what he's talking about. Let us go for therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city. That is, we are not here to stay. That's what it's saying by no continuing city. But we seek one to come. That is, we are to live as pilgrims upon the earth. We believers are to live as pilgrims upon the earth, just like they are, the, uh, the patriarchs, Abraham. They were living in tents and tabernacles because they classified themselves as pilgrims, people that are just passing through because they, were, they know that they were, their time is limited upon the earth and they are passing through and they were living in tents and so on. So that is what he's saying here when he said, we are to, that here we have no continuing city. This city that we are living in may continue, but human beings get out of here and go in, into paradise or hell. So we have no continuing city, but we are seeking one that is to come. We are seeking the city that God said is going to make, is making for us, is going to make, it's already made it. The new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem is already made. That's why Apostle John saw it in, the, in his vision. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem is already completed. It will descend from this from the space to the to, to, to the earth where we can see it in the end. And people will be able to go in and out that are saved. Only the only people will, will, be, will, be, will be going around. And that is what God has said in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. And I will read that in a moment. But he's saying we have no continuing city now, but we seek one that is to come. By him, by Christ, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Our sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let me quickly read the, the Revelation chapter 22, where the new Jesus will descending that I was talking about, because this is what chapter 21, Apostle John wrote this, and I saw a new heaven. And a new half. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no mercy. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, that's me, look, the tabernacle of God is with men. Tabernacle, call it tabernacle, just like he said, tabernacle, that Moses built as a replica. So the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Look, he said it's with men. He doesn't say it's, it's with the Jews. No, it's with men. The human race that are being saved, those that are saved among human beings from every tribe of every nation, God is going to be living among men. See, he came through the Jewish line for a purpose. That is what we are saying. But Christ, Jesus Christ is going to be living among, um, among men. The tabernacle of God is with men. Praise God. Now, he said that, if I go back to Hebrews chapter 13 that we are reading, and here he said, Verse 14, Here have we no continuing city. We are passing through here. 
But we seek one to come. The one that is to come is the new Jerusalem, which I just read to you in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And it's coming. It will come now when the time comes. But before that, there will be a destruction of this world from the unbelievers and that are, that are ruling the world. The United Nations will be wiped out. And all the countries of the world will be almost destroyed. But some people will escape. And those that are allowed to escape will be doing that to populate the earth again for 1,000 years when Christ and the saints will come down and rule over them so that you allow them to populate. You see that in the book of Revelation chapter 20. That is the the timetable of the world as God has put it in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And let's go and read that again if you time permits. So verse 15 says, By Christ right therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Verse 16 says, To do good and to communicate forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We are to do good and to communicate. What do you mean by communicate? To communicate with one another, helping, sharing whatever God has given as resources to you, communicate with to the other people by helping them, by providing for them, by sharing the things that's communicated in talking about. To do good and to communicate, don't forget it. For God said that sacrifice, God is well pleased. Either give it to the poor, lend it to the Lord. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for the watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief but that is unprofitable for you so it's now talking about those who are ruling that we should submit ourselves to, uh, to the rulers so that they are not doing if you if you are rebellion and stubborn the rulers are grieved that's what he's saying there Submit yourself for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Obey them that have the rule over you. Whoever is the, even the bosses in the offices, obey what they are saying because they are ruling. Or the governors, obey what they are saying as long as their instruction or law is not contrary to the law of God. So you have to submit yourself to them. Verse 18. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, say, pray for we believers, pray for we preachers. Keep when you are praying, pray for us that the Lord will help us to always do the right thing also and keep ourselves upright before Him and also get more insight to be able to teach others as He reveals to us. Verse 19. But I beseech you, the rather, to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, he's talking of his personal prayer request that. He wanted them to pray for him that he will be restored. Means he has been in prison and he wanted God to give him a resolution that he could be released from, from the prison. That's why I will be, I may be restored to you sooner. Verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Walking in you that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now, I always like these two Bible verses. It's a prayer. And I use that to pray for myself. And I'll pray that prayer for you also right now. He said, the God of peace, that's our God, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That is the blood of Jesus Christ is for the everlasting covenant that is between man and God. And he's prayed that God will make you and I perfect in every good work to do his will. 
And not only that, walking us, it's God that is walking in us. It's not our effort. Say, oh, I'm trying to do this. It is God that is walking in us. We just let Him. And how do you let Him? By submitting to what He instructs you in the Bible. That's how you let Him. He tells you this is what the Bible says it should be. And you begin to do it. You begin to practice it. And you see that you are letting Him. You are exercising that. You are taking those steps that the scripture teaches you how to walk with God and please God. And that is how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God that is in us. It is God that walketh in us good to will and to do of his good pleasure. See that? And that's what he meant when he said, walking in us. That which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Everything is through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not through our effort. Everything we are going to accomplish in with God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. And it is Christ in us that is the hope of our glory. Not through the effort. People think they have to do this, they have to struggle. But don't leave Jesus aside. Don't leave Jesus aside. Everything that you are doing, praising God must be through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we are all, because he is our high priest. You are passing your sacrifice to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the mediator. So our walking righteously is through our Lord Jesus Christ because it's in us. It is Christ in us. It's the hope of our glory. So we have to always remember that so that when we are praising God, it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are praising the Lord Jesus Christ, you are also praising God because it is God is inside Christ. And the Apostle Paul said it in the Philippians chapter 2. Pastor T said, For it is God which walketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is, even the desire to do something good is from God. So it is God that is working in us. We are just to submit to him and pray with his spirit so that it will work this thing out in our lives. So that's why he said, he's praying that God will make us perfect in every good work to do his will and walking in you and me, walking in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. It is God that is going to work it out. What is well pleasing in his sight? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ is in us and God is in Christ and is walking this work through our spirit, into our soul, into our body to bring us to the fullness of the stature of Christ. So that is what this prayer is saying. And you pray that prayer for yourself over and over again. Lord, make me perfect. The God of peace, make me perfect in every good work to do your will, Lord. And Father God, walk in me what is well placing in, in your sight through our Lord Jesus Christ that's in me. To whom be glory forever and ever. So that is how you pray. And when you pray like prayer, it's a prayer based on the scriptures. And read again, let me read again. I pray now that the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you and I perfect in every good work to do his will. And walking in you and me, that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, in verse 22, he's going to wrap it up this letter. He says, I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Say all that he has written in this chapter, chapter 36, is in few words. Verse 20 says, Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty. With whom if he comes shortly, I will see you now. He mentioned Timothy here, that's why we also know that this was written by Apostle Paul. Now he mentioned that Timothy was set at liberty. In all that time, there will be persecution that is rising up. So he must have heard that Timothy was arrested by the government or the persecutors. In those days, the Roman Empire. 
But he said now, he, he, he said, no, he, that our brother Timothy is only set at liberty, that they have finally released him. And he was coming to us to where Apostle Paul is. He said, when he comes, I will, I will see you. With whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. That is saying, when he comes only, he will come with Timothy to come and see them. That's why he's saying it. And that is how we know that persecution already happened all the time this book was written. And Timothy was an, a, a victim of it. But he was released for temporarily. Another pastor came later. Many of the apostles in that generation, and many of the disciples were killed later in that generation. But it is coming at the end of the world again. And we believers, we you get ready because persecution will come. When the Antichrist will mark the world and nobody can buy us, and then they take the mark of the beast. But the Bible says nobody should take it. In the book of Revelation, chapter 14, gave a warning to believers that nobody should take the mark of the beast or worship the image of the beast. But the American world will be pushing for the world to take that mark because that Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 13, the, the first prayer that was with two horns is symbolizing according as I've interpreted it, the two horns on the head of that second beast in the book of Revelation chapter 13 was symbolizing the North and South America or uh, America, China or America and uh, Canada. USA and Canada are the, represented by the two horns on that beast because they are like the Christian nation that's why it's called like a lamb when they speak as a dragon mean they speak just like the rest of the world because the devil is still ruling the world but the first beast called the beast that have seven heads and ten horns that is European continent because that's where Roman Empire was that was also seven heads and ten horns you see in the book of Revelation chapter 17 Apostle John that was telling us that that uh, insight was pointing out that the city that ruled the world then was that woman that was sitting on that beast with seven S and ten on. So we then from there we can gather that Revelation chapter 13, where it talks about the beast that was persecuting the saints because it was seven said this beast make war with the saints and overcome them. That's why we know there will be persecution at the end. And the way the persecution will uh, occur, the persecution has already taken place in the days of the Roman Empire, when they were arresting the Christians, the, the Protestants, and they fled to America after that. Also. But now America is taken over by, by the whole world. So the, America is no more the only place you can say they, are the, they look like the lamb. But now they are also ruled by, Roman, by, the, by the world governments. They are part of the United Nations. But now this, this American government of the world are the ones that are going to make the fire come down as technology. That's going to mark the whole world that nobody can buy or sell unless they receive the mark. No man can buy or sell except they receive the mark of the beast. That is American governments of the world, Roman, uh, Canada, and America that will be initiating that. And that's what the Bible is prophesying in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. No man can buy or sell except they receive the mark. But chapter 14 told us that anybody that receives the mark will receive the wrath of God. So that's why we are warning believers it's coming. The end of the world is here upon us. We can see that they are already putting sheep under the skin. That is technology that putting sheep under the skin. That may be the technology they will use that nobody will be able to buy themselves unless they have that sheep under their skin, which they will use for commerce, for, for monetary system. It's coming, folks. They were already talking about when the coronavirus started. Like, how will you how will we know those who have taken the vaccine? I said maybe they should use this sheep under the skin. Bill Gates and all those who are already talking about it. The world is setting up the stage for the mark of the beast that will come at the end. 
where nobody will be able to buy unless they have the sheep under their skin or their forehead, whatever they are going to put it. And the world, the Bible says, anyone that receives that mark will go to we receive the wrath of God. Nobody should receive it. Believers are the only people that know about this thing. And that's why the persecution we are against the believers. And we are praying that the Lord will give you insight, you that listen to me, so that you brace yourself for what is coming and get ready to stand and not deny Christ. 